God's Word, that's the basis for the sermon today, is from Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, chapter 28. We're in the middle of the story of a man named Jacob here. So listen closely, and then we'll talk all about it. Genesis 28, beginning at verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There, above it, stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. If you're an Olympian, you dream of a gold medal. If you're a busy mom... You dream of quiet privacy for five minutes when you're not wiping ketchup off the kids and the counter and the dog. There's the dream job. There's a dream date. There's the dream vacation. Dreaming connects us with the ideal, doesn't it? With, with the ultimate. That's what dreaming is all about. Now, Jacob had a dream, except I'm going to tell you this right off the bat. I think it's more God's dream than Jacob's. Does God dream about you? And if he does, what's his ideal for you, right? What's, what does he dream about for you? That you win the gold medal in folding laundry or fixing leaking faucets? That, that you go to church every Sunday, on time, with the kids singing your praises. Dad, thanks for waking, up, waking us up early this weekend. That's awesome. Is that God's dream for you? Does he just want you to be a better person? Does he want you to pray more? Love others better? See him more involved in your life? What does he want for our church? What's his dream for us? Big building? perfect pastor, that everyone in the community knows us, that we fill the seats. We have the answers to those questions in Jacob's dream this morning. But to understand Jacob's dream, we need to understand Jacob. So I'm going to give you a little background here. If you have your Bible app out or your Bible with you, go to Genesis chapter 25. So it's a few chapters before we're in chapter 28 here. And so it's just a few chapters earlier, so it's going to tell us a little bit about the earlier part of Jacob's life. And this is very 
significant in understanding what's happening here is understanding who Jacob is. So some of you may know, if you've studied your Bible, the Old Testament, that, that, that Jacob was born as a twin. And his twin brother's name? Esau. Very good. Now, already in, already in the womb, it became apparent that Jacob, his life mission was to get a leg up on his brother and his twin brother Esau. That, that's what it was all about. As a matter of fact, if you go to verse 22 in Genesis 25, there it says that while, while Jacob and Esau were still in their mother's womb, they were wrestling. They were tussling with each other. <laughs> Over the Bible says they were, they were tussling with each other in their mother's womb. And then the, their mother, Rebecca, said, what's going on in my tummy, God? And, and God said, well, I'll tell you what's happening. You have twins in there. And then there is this prophecy. And the prophecy said, right, verse 23, the older will serve the younger. Now, that's crazy talk in the Hebrew culture, because in the Hebrew culture, the firstborn is always the, the birthright holder, the one who's in charge. Well, it's kind of in our culture, too, right, in ways, right? The firstborn is the, the head of all the rest of the children. That's firstborn. And, and Esau was the firstborn, but the prophecy said, Jacob, you're, you're going to be the boss, and Esau's going to serve you. Very similar to J Joseph's dreams about his brothers serving him and bowing down to him, right? So lo and behold, the twins are born. Esau comes out first, and his twin brother Jacob is grabbing onto his heel as they're coming out of, of Rachel's womb or Rebecca's womb to be born. And what's, he, what's Jacob trying to do? He's trying to pull him back. Jacob's already trying to be the firstborn, even though he wasn't. He's already trying to climb to the top of the totem pole. He's the heel grabber. And guess what? They called him Yaakov, which means heel grabber. Puller backer of other people. Tripper upper. Manipulator. Deceiver. And Jacob, up to this point, had never gotten over trying to get a leg up on his older brother Esau. Maybe he knew the prophecy, maybe he didn't, but he sure, he spent his days pulling his brother's heel, trying to get ahead, trying to get his way. And eventually, uh, it came to the point where uh, Jacob wanted to be blessed with the birthright, to receive that blessing from his father Isaac, and Isaac hadn't given him that blessing yet, and so he deceived Esau into giving up the birthright blessing, and then he deceived his father Isaac to give it to him. Remember, by he, he dressed up and, and, and put uh, fur on his arms so because his brother had hairy arms, and then his dad was half blind, and then his dad accidentally, being deceived by Jacob, gave him the birthright. And Jacob got the blessing! But it didn't bless him in the way that he wanted. And he burnt bridges, and he hurt people, and his brother Esau wanted to kill him. Ever had someone want to kill you? I, I, I mean, I've not been there. Um, I had a guy in, with some road rage yesterday, like, pull up to me very fast in a big truck, and I have to admit I was scared. Um, and what do you want to do? You're just, you just, well, I, you just want to get away and get to a safe place. This is now where we find Jacob. 
He had burnt bridges. He had hurt people. He had deceived his father and his brother. His brother wanted to kill him, and now he was fleeing. He was running away from home. He left Beersheba, and he was on his way to Uncle Laban's house to find a wife and to make a living and maybe to deceive Laban and his family too. And up to this point, the only person Jacob dreamed about was himself. He wasn't really thinking about God here. His ideal was simply getting ahead of others and getting his way. Getting ahead of others and getting my way. You know, there's something strongly appealing about that to me. I'm a manipulator. I'm a heel grabber. And it didn't take me long to learn how to do that, just like Jacob when he was already born doing it. I mean, I'm going to tell you how I learned to get, to to pull others and bring them into my world so I can have my way, how I became a manipulator. I knew how to do this at one week old. I learned that if I scream at the top of my lungs and my face turns red and and tears come out, that I could make, at one week old, I could make my mom or my dad do anything I wanted. Change me, feed me, put me to sleep, take me places, not take me places, and it just got worse from there. Or I thought, better. I am a master manipulator. I know it's still true because I take a selfie with me and a group of friends, you know, and I quick snap three or four pictures in 1.2 seconds, And then, of course, I'm in charge of picking out which picture is going to go viral. And what's my, what's, you know, you might know this, but in my head, the criteria for which picture goes viral, oh, I'm closing my eyes on that one. Ah, I'm I'm too toothy of a smile on there. Uh, No, I'm, oh, I'm tilting my head the wrong way on that one. Oh, there we go. And it's really all about me. It's really about me pulling the heels of others, pulling them down, pulling them back, so that I can get to the top of the totem pole, which is exactly what Jacob wanted to do. I don't believe that's God's dream for me. Matter of fact, Romans 13, verse 14 says, Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Hear that? It it doesn't, the Bible doesn't just say, don't gratify the desires of the flesh. It says, don't even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Don't even come close to it with a 10-foot pole. And, And it appeals to me strongly. And I still do it. What happens when our dreams aren't God's dreams and God's dreams aren't our dreams? What happens when we're like Jacob, ready to pull anyone else down so that we can get our way? Jesus had some quite strong words for that in the gospel that we read for today. Whoever's not willing to lose their life is going to lose it. 
right? Whoever wants to find it, whoever wants to put themselves ahead and doesn't deny themselves, can't be my follower, Jesus said. Where do we find Jacob? We find him not at the top of the totem pole, but we find him at the bottom of the barrel. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. A, a certain place. There's not a town here with a name. There's, there's not friends that Jacob has where he can, you know, crash for the night. There's no friends, there's no family, there's no town name, there's no hotel. He's in the middle of nowhere on a journey to who knows where. And he uses a stone for a... Why would you use a stone for a pillow? Think about this. Do you, Jacob, do you have no backpack? Do you have no knapsack? Do you have no extra change of clothes? I mean, any of that would work fine for a pillow. The reason that Genesis tells us he uses stone for a pillow is because this man has nothing. No extra shirt, no backpack, no knapsack. He's a fugitive, and he's poor, and he's alone, and he's burnt bridges. And the sunset, the sunset to create a darkness that matched the darkness of Jacob's own soul, of his own heart, of his own situation. And yet there was something worse here. Worse than all that is that we don't see Jacob here calling out to God. There's no cry from Jacob, God, I'm in this bad situation, please help me. There's not even a bedtime prayer. Jacob is not close to God at this point. He knows about him, but he doesn't know him. He's been educated about God, but he's not encountered him. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, and there above it stood the Lord. This is neat. There's a, there's a Hebrew word in here in the original Hebrew Old Testament. It's, it's really one that's hard to translate in our language. Sometimes we'll translate it like, Behold! Uh, it, it, it's, it means like he was super surprised with something he totally didn't expect. We, uh, maybe a better translation is, whoa, dude! And it says that about three things. Three things that, that Jacob saw from God. He saw the stairway. Uh, for, for you older folks that maybe had older Bible versions, this said ladder. That's not really a good translation of this. This is a Hebrew word. It's, it's stairway is a very good word for this. It really means like a grand staircase. Okay, you saw this staircase, this stairway. Whoa, a stairway! And then, oh man, there's angels of God ascending and descending heaven to earth, earth to heaven. There's angels there. And angels only come out when something big is happening in God's world. And so something is big. They're, his, they're God's messengers. They're his, there's royal servants so the God of holiness and power and all of the universe it now is actually um, sending his servants out, these angels. Something big is going on. And thirdly, whoa, the Lord himself. In 
I'm sorry to go all Hebrew on you, but it's, it was fun. Um, in, in the Hebrew, it's, it doesn't actually specify clearly whether it should mean, because it says there above it stood the Lord, okay? It's, it doesn't, it, this translation assumes that means the stairway. Above the stairway, up in heaven stood the Lord, but it, you could make a strong argument for there above him stood the Lord. And I believe that is more fitting for this story and why God gave it to us. In other words, oh, a stairway. Oh, angels up and down. Oh! And there's the Lord standing over Jacob, lying on the ground with a stone pillow, looking over him like a parent looking over their child sleeping. The Lord is here. And it uses the word for God, the Lord, which cues us into more meaning. When the Bible, and especially the Old Testament, uses that word, it means the, the God of mercy, the God of free and faithful grace, who, the Lord, Yehovah, which means I am. I, I am faithful. I am consistent. I always keep my promises. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. That's the Lord. is saying the Lord of mercy stood over Jacob and looked down on him. And Jacob wasn't thinking of God, but God was thinking of him. And Jacob wasn't climbing the stairway to heaven, but God climbed down to right here, to the bottom of the barrel where his child was and his child's fears and his child's regrets and his child's confusion. And God, the almighty God of angel messengers and heavenly hosts, his ideal, his dream, was to be right here with this man who wasn't even thinking about him, with this man who wasn't even praying to God, who wasn't sorry for what he'd done, who wasn't interested in an encounter with God, but God was interested in an encounter with him and a merciful one. And then Jacob heard three things from God. I am with you and I will not leave you. Jacob was a lot less lonely than he thought he was. I will give you everything I've ever promised to give you. Jacob was less destitute and poor than he thought he was. People will be blessed through you. Jacob had way more purpose and direction than he thought he did. All peoples on earth, the Lord said, will be blessed through you, Jacob, and through your offspring. What does this mean? I thought I was lonely and poor and afraid, and now God's coming with these outstanding, unconditional promises. And what does it mean that all people, on the, all people in the world will be blessed through Jacob and his offspring? We'll get there. But first, I need to ask you, Have you ever been to that dark place? Have you ever been to that bottom of the barrel? Or maybe you're there now, 
And God seems so distant, doesn't he? So removed and far away. And it's not as if you're not trying. You can be trying very hard when you're in that place, but it's just not working. And the worst thing is you, you realize you've made mistakes that put you right there. It's nobody else's fault. You can't blame anyone. You can't point the finger. It, if you're really honest, you're going to say, I, I think I, I said some things that I shouldn't have said to other people. And, and there's some things that I should have been doing that I haven't been doing, and things that I did that I wish I hadn't done. And there's people that I've pulled their heel, and I've, I've yanked others down to get where I think I need to go. And I've pulled them into my chaotic world, and, and I've used them to get what I want for me. And you realize, as you've pulled the heels of others, as you've pulled others back and pulled others down, you've pulled yourself down too. And it's a dark place because you feel like nobody understands. It seems like nobody cares. And God is busy, distant, confused. And then these promises of God to, to Jacob and to you and to me in this dark place, these these. This mercy of God that comes to us when we're not looking for him, when we're not even ready for an encounter with the Lord Almighty. And he climbs down and he gets in the barrel with us into our fear, into our shame, into our guilt, into our own confusion. You ever climbed up a mountain? And when you're, when you're up there, you look back down at the path that you've taken to get up to that mountain, and you look back down, and, you, and, and then the light bulb comes on, like, oh, look at how meandering that path was that we walked up. No wonder it took us a half a day to get up here. I, I get it now. Oh, there's that bridge that goes over the river that we thought we could never cross, and it was just a quarter mile down the path, but we gave up. I see now how that would have worked. Oh, th and there's that road that goes the right direction that, that, we, that we know we need to take later. Oh, I get it. That's the top of the stairway. That's God at the top of your, looking down and having that clear vision and perspective of everything that you and I don't see when we're walking the path. But I, I, got, I got some news. That's not a place for you and me. God's mountain is always taller than anything we can climb. And God's always looking down with a perspective that's greater than yours and greater than mine. And we're going to be meandering the path and not be able to see it from above. And we're going to have to trust and keep going that there's a bridge to cross the river and we're tired and we're weary and we're worn out and, and we just, and God says it's, it's, 
just right there. And that's what God does to us so that we learn to trust. Top of the stairway is not our place. Ultimately, in heaven, when we're in heaven, that's the top of the stairway, that's our place, but we're not there yet. And so God wants us to trust him in his perspective. I have a question to ask you about the stairway, and, I, and I'm hoping this gives you some new perspective on it. Here's my question. Is the stairway in, in Jacob's dream, is it a stairway to heaven or a stairway from heaven? Well, when it comes to the angels, angels are going both directions, so for them, I guess it's both, right? So look in the Bible, look at the story. What about for Jacob? What about for God? Do you see Jacob in his dream <clears throat> ascending the, stair the grand staircase to the top? Do you see him climbing up Jacob's ladder? Do you see him climbing up to get to God? Do you see Jacob taking seven steps to get closer to God, four steps to have a real encounter with Jesus, this many steps? Do you, do you see Jacob doing that? Absolutely not. Do you see God coming down? Do you see God meeting this man of weak or little faith where he is at? on the ground, using a stone pillow, entirely lost. This is not the stairway to heaven. This is the stairway from heaven. And there you get a picture of what God's ideal is for you. There you get a picture of God's dream for you. It is not that you climb up to him. It is not that you, you pull yourself up by the bootstraps, get yourself out of the bottom of the barrel, climb up the totem pole, and you make it to the top. That is not God's dream for you. It is not that you succeed so highly that other people bow down to you and worship you like Joseph's brothers. It's not that you have to get ahead of others that, that you're jealous of and you want their life. It's not that you have to... It, it's none of that. God's dream is that, not that you're at the top of the staircase, but when you're at the bottom, and he's there with you, that you're just, you're there with him, and you enjoy being with him, and you see him there, in your darkness, in your confusion, that, that you see that he's there in his grace, and he's making unconditional promises and asking nothing and promising everything. Can you think of, a, of another time in the Bible when this happened? Can you think of another time in the Bible when the great God came down, when angels announced it, when God met stinky, dirty sinners, people of earth, when he came and he met us, right where we're at, and brought grace and mercy to us instead of judgment. Can you think of another time that that happened? Like maybe in the New Testament? Right as Jesus was beginning his, his saving ministry and his work on earth, right at the beginning, of, as Jesus was starting to meet people and preach and heal them, 
here's something he said. This is fascinating. John chapter 1, verse 51, very early in the gospel there. Jesus said, You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus, who liked to call himself the Son of Man. You see those words, the heaven open and, and descending on, right, in, in single quotes? Jesus is quoting this from Genesis. And he's saying, I am the stairway. See, see this? You will see angels descending, not with, not toward the Son of Man, angels descending on the Son of Man, up and down. Jesus is the stairway. Jesus is the steps. Do you want an encounter with God? Do you want to invite God to be a bigger part of your life? Do you want to pray better? Do you want to obey him more? Then the stairway is from heaven, and the stairway is Jesus Christ. And his life, and his crucifixion, and his resurrection, there is your encounter with God. It's already yours, and Jesus has come near Jesus, the offspring of Jacob. So that when the Lord said to Jacob, all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you, Jacob, and your offspring, that's Jesus. And the promise of God to a man at the bottom of the barrel comes true for men and women and boys and girls at the bottom of our barrel today. And it all comes true in Jesus. I am the stairway, and we are blessed. What can we learn from Jacob's dream? Last, last part. Jacob responds to all this by saying, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. In the middle of nowhere having nothing to offer, and not even being interested in God, not even thinking about God, not calling out to him, not saying his prayers, Jacob encounters the living, breathing, merciful, and mighty God who brought it all, brought everything from the house, except physically being present in heaven itself, which will be true of all believers someday, except for that, God is giving it all. He's bringing it and giving it to Jacob. Here it is. So, I'm learning here that there are times when I, I want an encounter with God or I want to pull others down and have my way and ask, actually ask God's help for that to happen in a nice, righteous, pastor way, of course. That he says to me, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that for you, but I'll tell you what I will do. I have something so much better. I'm not going to give you what you're looking for, what, what your ideal is, what your dream is, because you're not dreaming big enough. And I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you myself. Do you want an encounter with God? Do you want God 
closer to you in your life and in your world? Do you want to be, understand him more? Do you want to make your decisions with more of his wisdom? Do you want his spirit to fill you up more? Do you want to, do you want to walk with him in a new and a reformed way? I do too. And that encounter with God, my friends, is already here in the person and the name of Jesus Christ. He's here. God is here at the bottom of the barrel with you, and you don't need to be at the top. That's not your job, and it's not his dream for you either. But he's here. See him. Stop trying to manipulate situations and people and just enjoy him. Confess and, and be humble and repent when you have tried to pull others back and get your own way. And he comes with the whole house, with all of the blessings of heaven, angels included, and says, you may not have been looking for me, but I'm looking for you. I can give you more than you will ever dream. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this story of Jacob, our, our father, our brother in the faith, who is so much like me, so much like the rest of us. As we look around in the world and, and there's competition and, and our, our egos are busy and we're jealous and we look at what we could be if only, and we want and we desire and we even manipulate and, and we sometimes pray and you, and you say no, and you leave us in a dark place, and it's then that we think you're gone and you're distant and you don't care that you care the most. Give us a faith that Jacob grew into over the years, the faith with which he eventually came back and returned, and he was ready to repent and confess his sins to his brother Esau. Help us with a humble and repentant heart this Lenten season to see your wonderful, unconditional promises of mercy and of grace, to trust in Jesus and his cross and his tomb and look forward to eternity, but on the way there, walking forward in faith and in hope and in love. In Jesus' name, amen.